Hello, and welcome to Pale Reflections, a proud member of the Doof Network, where we reflect on Wabo's most unprincipled work as it releases. I'm Ruben Morehouse. And I'm Elliot Diebold. And we are back to talk about Vanishing Points 8.3, Vanishing Points 8.4. No bonus material this week, uh, but then we'll talk about some of our own bonus materials, I guess we'll call them. <laughs> <laughs> but first, let's dive into Vanishing Point 8.3, sorry, Vanishing Points 8.3. Which uh, we're in Avery's head. She is going out on a field trip with uh, Snowdrop, Zed, and Jess into the ruins on a journey of self-discovery. <laughs> so, okay, I, I want to pass something by you, Ruben, because I'm not sure if I'm going crazy or not. But like, mm. has there been a trend in the recent, uh, most recent, like arc and a half or so, where it feels like Avery's chapters have her away from the other two, like more and more? Mm. Like, you know, here she's in the ruins without them. Yeah. Last arc, I, like, she had a couple of chat. I think she had the one where Toadsoy was giving the lecture and she was kind of mentally away from them. But yeah. she had the one where she fought Baghead. She had the one yeah. where, um, like, Avery and so Lucy and Verona were doing their own things against Bristow and she was, like, running between them. Like, it feels like she's getting, I don't know, more and more separate from them. Is it more and more, though? Like, you know, way back at the start of the story, we had things like the Forest Ribbon Trail, right? And that's Avery on her own. It seems like there's a fair amount of Avery, and I guess it is because of these themes that Avery has has in her head of, like, loneliness and not having strong connections that make her naturally have some of these situations emerge. I, yeah, obviously it's a thing. I don't know if it's... I don't know if I would say it's happening more. I'm not sure if I agree with that or not. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah, maybe yeah. maybe that was just something I made up in my head. Um, no, I mean, it's right. fair. It, uh, yeah. I, no, it's definitely happening a lot, whether I yes. whether it's happening more. <laughs> whether it's new or not uh, is the part that I, I would, uh, I'm unsure of. I don't think we're trending in a direction of Avery growing apart from them. That doesn't feel like it's happening to me. So I guess... I mean, wait, that was sort of what happened in Lucy's vision of the future which obviously isn't like you know rock solid prediction or anything but it's certainly mm. i feel like that's confirmation that at the very least that's where lucy sees things heading is yeah. avery drifting away in that sort I of mean, and, and that way even in a non-practitioner world that kind of thinking is self-fulfilling to an extent right um yeah, yeah maybe i don't know hmm um, but also, like, this this very much seems to be an arc, like, as we're now uh, four chapters into it, that feels like it's uh, more so than the rest of the story, uh, really exploring the concepts of, like, you know, who you are. Like, we, like last week, we had that self and soul thing, and it's really, yeah. I feel like we're starting to explore this idea of who, who do you want to choose to be. Like, now that, now that we got, all, got rid of all the baddies, there's this sort of aftermath where it's like, okay, now you have a bit more freedom. What do you do? Mm. Um, and the whole story, Avery's had this inherent contradiction to her, which is she wants people around her and supporting her all the time, but also she she doesn't want to be near people. Like yes. She's, yes. She's constantly warring it's, in these two halves, <laughs> halves of herself. I mean, it's that very relatable thing where you want yeah. people to always be inviting you out to things, but you want to always be saying no, right? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. That's, that's what it is. It's the most relatable thing ever. Um, oh yeah, I've absolutely had things where it's like I was never going, but if I didn't get invited, I yeah. took that personal. No, of course, <laughs> I, like it's it's you'll, you'd be living the dream if people invited you to everything, but you always said no, and they just kept inviting you. Like that's yeah, that's exactly. literally the ideal state, um, and obviously that's what everyone wants because that's what everybody <laughs> wants. 
Yeah, but I, I feel like it's it's particularly intense in Avery's case, and I wonder if this is an arc where maybe we'll explore that because it. Yeah, I guess we'll see. Mm. I don't know. Mm. It just it just felt to me like in this chapter and with some comments at the end of last arc, that aspect of her is starting to come to a bit more of a head. Mm. Yeah, yeah, <sighs> yeah. Um, this is an interesting chapter for that. Uh, well, just in general. I mean, the start of this chapter is. <laughs> It starts very overtly with them seeing an echo of a dying deer, right? Which is very <laughs> much like, and this is a theme throughout this entire chapter. It's really not subtle in some of these <laughs> things. It really is smacking you in the face with, here is a deer that is dying being attacked by wolves. And we'll get to the scene where Avery is literally attacked by wolves shortly enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's delightful. Yeah, I agree. It's so, uh, like, intentionally and knowingly on the nose to, like, yeah. have a giant banner being like, this is an Avery chapter, and then, like, immediately opening with, like, the deer was dying or something. Yes. It's just like, okay, okay. It's so silly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Um, <sighs> I, I mean, even sort of, like, aside from that, though, like, I, I, I feel like this, the, the opening to this chapter does some really cool stuff with, like, you know, it, it starts telling us how they're all bundled up in warm clothing. You know, obviously there's like a deer and some wolves. There's all this snow. And so you're immediately like, okay, so like, where the fuck are we? Because it's the middle of summer. Um, mm. So they've clearly gone somewhere outside of Earth. Um, and like, I, I don't know. I just, I just thought that was like a really fun vibe, especially for like an Avery chapter to just open it with this vibe of like, where the fuck are we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah you you just know stuff's uh there's shenanigans going on i guess mm. i mean that's happened a few times in the story like uh was it the, the very start of arc four where avery went and visited like the alabaster's domain and and so there's like the woman offering her an apple <laughs> yes, and, yes and that one like opened up and you're like is this a path yeah you th- you're like what this is just so unsettling yeah um and then, wait, obviously, so we learn it's the ruins, as you said. And I love how, I love, I love this new information we learn about, like, the structure of the ruins. Like, I, I think we talked about it ages ago and we're like, oh, it's like this, you know, axis where you can go into more ruins and then it's, like, darker and, and more ruinous. Um, but, of course, Wildbo's come up with something even cooler where it's, like, you know, it, it's multi-dimensional i think it's compared to a cube but it's like you know this like web of different emotions which are adjacent to each other um it's like a an actual mood wheel a, a mood cube of a space um i don't know i just i just find that really cool and it makes it like a really interesting way to explore like what emotions this universe sees as being next to each other mm. Mm. yeah um, like 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 you know like we we get to have insights like you know the the normal part of the ruins that we usually see is the part that's closest to humanity. And that's like depression and apprehension, which is like, well, I mean, that tells you a lot about this world, doesn't it? That that, that's sort of the, (laughs) the most accessible and easy part to find. Yeah. Um, And then we've kind of gone to the next level down, which is like despair. And this has moved away from humanity, which Mm. is like actually kind of a bit of a positive note that Mm. it's mostly animals who feel despair. I mean, not great for the animals. sure, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) It depends on your point of view, I suppose. Oh, yeah, I I don't know. I I just thought it was really cool that we get to sort of explore how these things overlap in a more interesting way than what we initially posited as like just a single axis. 
Mm. Yeah, it's uh, as as all things are in this world, it's uh, complex and grey mm. in many ways. Well, especially because I I kind of see like that's how the cosmos of the other verse is glued together anyway. Like you know, there's a bit later on where they're on an ice sheet that's above um the other one, the abyss. Um, mm. and so it's like, like you know, it, it's kind of the same. Like th- these realms are also interconnected, so it's not like you know just the ruins. Is like this, but I kind of see like this is a microcosm of how all these realms are kind of connected. Mm. Um, so it's it's just like yeah, adding another sort of layer of complexity. And mm. um, we also get all this stuff about how it's like you know there are all these tableaus of yes echoes, and it's yeah. like if you if you kill one out, it just sort of creates this little vacuum to replace it, which feels like a great it's, metaphor for how yeah you can't just like cure something like depression by like yeah. getting rid of a bad memory. Like, you know, the point is, is that space exists and something's going to fill it. Yeah. It's such an interesting vibe. I'm jumping ahead in the notes a little bit, but the idea of these like emotional landmine echoes is so interesting. They're, mm. they're just like traps that are waiting to pull you in and spread their emotion to you. And yeah. something that this made me think about as well was, you know, we've had conversations back when we first saw echoes when we were, you know, shadowing Alpi on her job, for example. Um, we were touching on the idea of echoes and like how they're kind of close to sentience, but not quite there, depending on the echo, I suppose. And it's so interesting to see that in this place, they're just so non human. They're just so, I mean, yes. A lot of them are animals, but um, the, the, even the human ones we see are like so stone tapey. They're just reliving this one moment, and that's that's what they are. They're this distillation of this one emotional moment to the, to the maximum. Um, yeah, I don't yeah. know. It's it's just interesting that we're seeing them in such a different light in this um, in this chapter. I suppose that like maybe that's sort of saying something about how like. Because I think really the only human ones we see in this area that I can remember is like the family that almost gets Bree and, and Avery. Mm. And it's like you should carve out a whole area in this like tableau of despair. Um, I guess that means like you're so powerfully focused on despair that, that it sort of overtakes you. Because, you know, that's kind of what the ruins is, right? Is, it, is, is it's like this, this exaggeration of emotions. Mm. So you get those, you know, these sorts of things where it's like, you know, like this place as a whole, like I'm also jumping ahead a bit in the notes, but there's a sense in this whole place (laughs) as well of like how depressing and like ground down it is. Like we're in this area of Mm. despair Mm. and I felt quite desperate because the whole fucking time it was like Avery would like beat one set of echoes and then like half a second later, there was like another thing attacking her Mm. and it like, that was it, the whole place is just kind of desperate. Mm, yeah, it's it's brutally desperate, right? Like, mm. there's no respite either, and it's very like dog eat dog. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it's it's a well, grim place. Well, these echoes and this place exist to kind of propagate and and, and fuel and empower those emotions, and like that's how yeah. emotions work, right? Like a person's mood is contagious. If yeah, someone's yeah, in a yeah, shitty yeah. mood, it's very easy for them to bring down the whole <laughs> it room. It spreads, of course. Yeah, and and that's sort of like, you know, this is just that turned to 100. Mm, mm, yeah, yeah, interesting. I, I love that vibe of this being a manifestation of how easy emotions are to to to, to be contagious in the uh, the real world, so to speak. Yeah, well, and how, like, even if you are reaching out, it's like, 
like the whole point of, of reaching out or trying to get someone to empathize with you is you want them to feel your pain and that's like what these echoes do right like mm. they take the idea a little too literally for my taste but um you know, it's this idea they suffered and they want you to know what that's like i guess mm. Mm. yeah mm. um yeah it's a fun it's a fun vibe and, and so the 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 ruins as the backdrop to this uh, Avery chapter about <laughs> you know as all every chapters are kind of exploring uh, Avery's emotional state um it, it works quite well um let's yeah. keep going we'll we'll touch on these things as they come up I guess um sure uh, Jessica starts to get worried that that something's going to attack them although she doesn't say what yet um but Avery heads back to find Bree and regroup in case they run into trouble yeah because they left Bree behind because they only brought her here to see if it would help with the Hungry Choir, which yeah. was the thinking there anything beyond the Hungry Choir's realms kind of near the ruins, I guess? Like, yeah. What, I, I mean, just try it. I, I, you get the sense <laughs> Bree is kind of like, yeah, whatever, let's just try anything. <laughs> yeah, which, actually, fair. That's it's a good strat for the situation she's in. But yeah, I love how they just sort of, they brought her in, and then it was like, oh no, this isn't working. Uh, you just stay here by yourself. Um mm. And we'll come back for you, I guess. It's like, because, you know, Avery fucking almost dies like three or four times getting back mm. to her. Like, I don't, the situation's insane. <laughs> yes, it's a dangerous place. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we touched on the idea of the wolves attacking the dying deer opens this scene. And then the next thing that happens is a bunch of ghost wolves attack Avery, which is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, does it even count as foreshadowing if there's like 500 words between, <laughs> like, like, you know, I'm so used to Wildbow works like foreshadowing things looking like a year and a half in advance. This one's two minutes. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious how quickly we go from, oh, do we need to be worried to, oh, okay, we're mm. literally being attacked by wolves now. Okay. Yeah. No, um, it's, it's a quick, uh, a quick resolution of that foreshadowing. That's for sure. <laughs> I mean, well. You never know. There's there's often a second thing with Barbo. Maybe there'll be more wolves later. Yeah. More metaphorical wolves, etc. Um, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, you know, the end of the end of next chapter, all the Bellingers show up again. Well, yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. Um, yeah. Uh, so they uh, Avery kind of fights her way through a bunch of echoes to find Bree. They have a bit of a fight scene with some more echoes, and then Bree, Snow, and Avery head back to regroup with the group. Yeah, um, yeah, and so we were just sort of touched on that idea of how like desperate this place makes you because you're just constantly being slogged. Like I was, I was having a sense of despair just reading a every time Avery took a breath, something came at her, mm. and well, wait, I guess something we haven't touched on about this setting as well is how particularly this area of the ruins it's very like adventure survivally, like it's um. You know, there's there's fucking a million and a half stories that are set in like you know the wilderness where somebody's gotten lost and they have to mm. fight wolves with mm. the knife they brought with them. Yes, I'm, I'm uh, thinking the specifically that is that yeah, Liam Neeson that, one. Yeah, <laughs> the Liam Neeson one. Yeah, um, you know, and there's a sort of like again, this is that idea taken to a hundred because you're surviving. Just like literally, the wilderness is trying to kill you. Mm. Um, like everything here does actually want to kill it. It's it's just such a fun setting for a chapter. Mm. Yeah, no, it is. It's a it's a classic setting, the wilderness survival setting, and it works very well here because uh, it's literally surviving in a kind of wilderness of emotions. Yeah, yeah, like it, it's it's those ideas, yeah, just exaggerated, which is fun. Yeah. Also, 
there's a ton of eyeless things here, which at first I was trying to map to like, is the ruins, is there something about eyelessness with the ruins? And then I remembered we did say that before when Nicolette had her collector guy grabbing all the eyes. So my current tinfoil is that the reason there's so many eyeless people in this area of the ruins is just because it was near the Blue Heron Institute. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird, isn't it? I, I, I don't like the symbolism of eyes is so prevalent, seemingly in the ruins, even when Belanger's are not necessarily involved. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. I mean, there's there's probably something else there, but I, I like the idea that this place has just been permanently affected by its proximity to the Blue Heron Institute in that way. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe that's what it is. Remnants of uh, Alexander's influence. Yeah, so um, I after like you know Avery and Bree finally managed to get out or whatever, um, and they barely make it out of this ghost car situation. I'm like, I'm, uh, the hungry choir does all the heavy lifting. Um, they have this really nice chat, like the two of them, as they're making their way back to the other two, and like there's this fun twist on it where they have to kind of socially distance, which I feel like was just Wabo, you know, poking Avery. Just with like an extra little unnecessary prod, um, but yeah, I like I don't know. They they managed to have this really like good and productive chat about what they're both what their life goals are, what they're looking for. Bree's super reaffirming for Avery. It's it's very nice. Yeah, yeah. No, it is nice. I love these uh, reaffirming moments. We get another good one in the next chapter. They're always just so much fun. Um, Bree uh, gives us more information about what this binding ritual is like and it sounds like such a chore i mean it's not like doesn't seem like uh terrible in that it doesn't demand a high price of her other than just basically putting her life on pause for a few days but it sounds just so boring it's like the implement ritual <laughs> but without any of the fun like what would you do situations yeah there's no deal here um because yeah one of the things she says is she has to fast but then she's immediately also like oh and i can't have tv no books like whatever so I mean, I don't know if that's explicitly part of the ritual because you consume media or like what, but I was just kind of like, oh God, like what a terrible ritual that you have to sort of e- empty your life for a bit in order to let this thing in. Mm. Mm. <sighs> yeah, it's uh, boring. <laughs> <laughs> I would be very bored. I, I like Brie touches on the idea that it would be fine as a one-time thing, but the idea of having to do it multiple times, like once every few months is a bit of a nightmare. <laughs> um, so there's this bit where Avery touches on how she kind of wants to, how Brie offers herself as a support to Avery and Avery thanks her. And she touches on this idea that she's building up a kind of support circle, which is great. Uh, continuing the theme of how she ended up winning the day for the Blue Heron Institute. Mm. Uh, just keep doing it, Avery. What I love is how she uses the phrasing, I'm collecting names, kind of. <laughs> because I was just like, hey, look, it's Bristow. It's Bristow, he's back. The good way. Yeah. Good <laughs> the Bristow. The way that I, I want people to do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's good stuff. Um, also, Brie drops some knowledge on us here that I'm pretty sure mm. we didn't know, which yes. is she's been running a whole nother round of the ritual, and in fact, it ended a couple of days ago. Um how- <laughs> How are we only just finding out about this? That, that feels like I, I'm like offended. This is the first we're hearing about this because that's huge. Um, mm. wait, wait, she says, oh, five people made it. And I was like, five's pretty good. That's a huge increase. But that's still three people who died. Mm. 
Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, but they're doing it with the express aim of preventing more deaths in the future. I don't know. I guess it's bad that three people died still. You're right. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I was just kind of like, this was wild to me. Because I know that they talked about that like way back in Arc 3, but I, I was actually sitting here and I was kind of like, it's kind of weird that that part of it got put on pause and they don't have to keep doing the ritual. It turns out they were just fucking doing it in the background because <laughs> uh, we weren't yet ready to know that Bree is still kind of killing people. Well, um, I don't know if that's fair. I mean, they're doing their best to dismantle it. Uh, I mean, yeah, but also kind of nah. Like, I, yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm being I'm being unfair because it's kind of like I think it's set up that she'll kind of die if they fully kill it, which is like mm. I don't know. I don't want to ask too much of someone, but I also don't think it's too much to ask that maybe to hold off on the killing people part. <laughs> We don't know what's happening, Elliot. It could be that these people were already embroiled with the ritual and were going to die anyway, for all we know. All right? Jeez. I mean... Don't come after Bree, all right? You better okay. you better watch yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm, I'm so keen to see her ex- explored more. Like, we uh, to jump ahead a bit, next chapter we start to talk a lot about how putting elementals and stuff inside someone changes who they are. Mm. And you got to think with people like Matthew and Edith, how much that's a thing as well. Like, mm. how much does having the hungry choir inside her still change Brie in these mm. tiny ways? Yeah. 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 I don't know. That's worrying. <laughs> the fact that Brie is part hungry choir. It's in this, in this bit, in this bit where they're kind of escaping from these echoes, she touches on the fact that they basically are like her. Um, I know this is a reference you're not going to get. But like her, a pot of magical sand that Gara wields in Naruto, right? Um, where they, oh yeah, 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 right. I don't even need to explain the reference. No, no that's a good one. Where, <laughs> oh yeah, good comparison. Yeah, where, um, <laughs> where she doesn't control them; they just are kind of automatically her defense mechanism because yeah, they want her body to survive. And so that makes me think that hopefully that there's more separation between her and them, implying that she's not being kind of bled into by hungry choir energy but i don't know that that's just full-on uh, <laughs> theorizing yeah i mean i guess i'd point at like the doom is definitely still very separate from matthew in mind and body um but it's taken a toll on him like people talk about how he kind of has a metaphorical cloud over his head you know so it's like even if it's mm. not that sort of like they're f- forming into this one being with aligned goals it's like that energy leaves its impression on you as a person would be my mm, guess mm. and the hungry choir doesn't have like cool energy you know <laughs> no not positive energy that's for sure um so yeah the the group regroups and jessica tells us what she's worried about some spooky incarnations tracking them down hunt inquest and a third here to get them yes um and as she's explaining this i just wanted to put this one point where like Avery sort of looks over and there's, again, a giant eyeless thing. And it, like, snatches up this echo and fucking, like, sticks the echo in wood to sort of make a puppet. And uh, Snowdrop, like, immediately after Avery finishes describing this, Snowdrop says, dark. And then Mm. Avery looks because Snowdrop is pointing at a distant house. And (laughs) I just thought this was fantastic use of Snowdrop because, like, that's having your cake and eating it too, because that that bit where it's sticking the echo inside and make it puppet is fucking dark. 
And so, honestly, the first time I read this, I was like, yeah, that is Dark Yeah, that Snowdrop. is Dark. And then, oh, oh, wait. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then Avery starts looking at it, and I was like, oh, I'm an idiot. Like, yeah. how am I still falling for this shit, like, six hours <laughs> <arcs> later? <laughs> Snowdrop has some great moments in this chapter of those kinds of things where um, she'll, she'll just say, I, I mean, it's the classic Snowdrop thing of she'll say something, and it, like, you verbally, you mentally trip up for half of a second as you're like, mm. wait. That's a non sequitur. What's going on? Oh, right, Snowdrop. Okay. Um, yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Great moment. There was there was another great one, like at the start of the chapter, where um, like at her and Avery are kind of going. I think it's just after the wolves, and then Snowdrop's like, "Go," mm. and you have to take that half a second to be like, "Wait, she means stop." And then it's like Avery stopped, and you're like, "Oh, thank God." Um, <laughs> but like, it, it added so much more tension to me. They're like, you know, Snowdrop. Or, or someone just saying stop mm. would have been like oh shit but like mm. I, I feel like it adds to my panic when it like I know something's happening but it's still taking me half a second every time I read a snowdrop thing like it adds the confusion to the panic I suppose mm. Mm. yeah builds up the emotions of the moment I guess yeah um, so incarnations huh which is a fun idea for an other uh, mm. it seems to be essentially a distilled concept that has taken form which is seemingly a, a bit of a double-edged sword in the sense that, you know, for example, Hunt is really good at hunting people, but you would assume that it only sees things through that lens. It's kind of when you, all you are is a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? Um, yeah, exactly. Like, like they're described as inevitable, which is apparently a concept we yeah, don't fully understand. what does that mean? Um, but it's like, you know, they can't, they can't be stopped. But then at the same time, it's like, I feel like they'd be kind of inherently predictable. Yes, and yes like you know limited scope like you're not going to use hunt to defend a place right like that's that's not what it's going to be able to do mm. unless you can spin that as having something to do with hunting i'm with not hunting, a hunter yeah. i don't know yeah <laughs> um, but yeah I, like yeah i don't know so they're these interesting ideas because it's like uh, yeah they, they they seem kind of simple and straightforward but well like you can put them as little tableaus in a place like this and and get tension out of them in a really cool way Mm. yeah yeah the idea of dropping oh no we can't stop them they're inevitable is like what that's fucking yeah. wild <laughs> um yeah and it's interesting because like how that compares to the like the hungry choir as a sort of ritual incarnate like they seem like this much simpler version of just an idea mm. like i wonder how they relate as concepts mm. yeah i don't know um also, also, I, I, I just wanted to call out this little moment where uh, Jessica explains to us how, because there's like a big light thing and it turns out to have been a trap by Hunt, kind of. Um, yes. Well, that's the theory. But it's like, yeah, basically what happens is in the ruins, uh, echoes and stuff, they get rid of the good parts of themselves because mm. who needs that shit, apparently? Uh, and so what happens is those can form little like hallows and pools where good energy gathers and it turns into things like... Uh, jessica's you know endless supply of chocolate bars um and yeah i don't know i just like that as a cool idea where it's like you know you can't get rid of that goodness it, it still finds a little home yeah um yeah which is nice i guess yeah um they also talk here a bunch about the other students this is where avery starts to quiz you know three of the worst senior students you could pick on what the social structure of the school is um we find out that the Teds are really mad at them, which was news to me, and I found mm. very upsetting. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, they were so fun. <laughs> yeah, like, they were though. Like I, yeah, 
I was like, can we get Toad Swallow in to like patch things up? Mm. Like he could do that, right? Yeah, he can be the negotiator. I'm sure that's a role <laughs> that he's well suited for. <laughs> I mean, actually, yes. Um, <laughs> I want to talk to. I want to talk about him as a teacher in the next chapter. Um, okay. But uh, yeah. Also, I, I I wanted to ask you. There's this moment with Zed. So Avery brings up how Ray asked them to do this, and Zed gets seemingly like a bit upset or stalled by this. Mm. And Bree kind of looks at Avery, and then Avery is like, "Oh yeah, he was like really helpful." Uh, and, yeah. And she's like, "I think that was the wrong thing," based on like what Bree said. But she like can't read their reactions at all. Like, what do you think happened here? I have no idea. I mean, it seems like Avery okay, had the good. right idea of just trying to be like, no, he was helpful. But that, I mean, presumably the fact that Zed doesn't react positively to that means Zed actually is kind of pissed off at Ray still and would have lacked an excuse to be more mad at him. I, 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 I don't know. It doesn't yeah. quite. Well, I mean, it's just like, you know, like Zed's all sorts of angry and it's like that, that sort of emotion doesn't just go away with one. Oh, yeah, he was kind of helpful for this, you know, after the fact. Because uh, yeah. I suppose Zed's probably dealing a lot with, I wonder if he knew how constrained Ray was by his position. Like, mm. I wonder if Zed is starting to have to come to terms with Ray being someone who he can't count on in that way, whereas maybe he thought he could. Mm. I don't know. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so, yeah, the, the the incarnations are closing in on them and the group starts to run away. Every attempt to get tricky with her black rope, but it doesn't work. She is caught. <laughs> Immediately. I was going to say almost immediately, but it's not even almost immediately. It's just immediately. Oh, that's not fair. She lasts like 10 seconds. It's not even 10 <laughs> seconds, Elliot. It's like three <laughs> seconds. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's it's definitely not her best performance. Mm. Yeah, no. she she. It, it happens so quickly, right? Like, yeah, it yeah. feels like it's going to be this, like with the Bagman combat, right? It's like, okay, everybody's going to try a few tricks and they were, the first few tricks won't work, sure, but she'll buy time to like figure out her cool trick that she uses and then that'll work. But no, she just like fucks up and gets caught immediately, <laughs> has to get bailed out. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I was kind of on the lookout this chapter for, in the last episode, we talked about how Verona and Lucy's chapters had them clearly signaling how not okay they were. And we didn't get, like, we don't get much signaling of that from Avery, right? Like, she seems, I mean, she's not doing great, but she seems kind of okay. So I don't know, maybe this is a signal that she's off her game? Yeah, I think more than the other two, she's positioned in this chapter. Like, she's, for her, I think it's just the fact that she's run away. Like, it's kind of brought up a few times in the chapter. Uh, hey, are you avoiding the other two? And she's like, I, I mean, not really. Yeah. Like, it's sort of her response, yeah. which is not a no. No, yeah. Um. So I, I feel like just the fact that she signed up for this mission is probably our signal that, like, Avery is in runaway mode, uh, which is kind of her response to to the bad. Mm. Um, I, I, I think what was really funny here is, like, because in retrospect, I was like, okay, so these, um, these uh, incarnations are sort of inevitable, right? So it's kind of like, and all three of them, the reason I, I guess they hang out is because they're all themed on this idea of, like, pursuit. Mm. Um, and, and 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 like capturing something so it's like of course like just trying to run quickly away from them probably isn't going to work like you can't outrun everything avery mm. um is maybe the lesson she's meant to take here mm. um i also think we're meant to read into like it can't have been an accident that she gets caught by yearning i mean she's basically an incarnation of yearning herself um <laughs> so yeah, like, um, yeah, I, like, I, I read into that. Like, the idea that Inquest was also the one who was on her thing, I was kind of like, 
what should we read into there? Um, the Kenneteers are kind of doing an inquest on the Carmine Beast's death. Like, is that is that something? Like, you can't you can't es- escape the inquest, or but like that felt like a reach. And I got a better idea for what it might mean uh, based on something you say next chapter. So I'll, I'll bring it up then. Oh, okay, oh, teaser. Um, so also, uh, sorry, I'm so worried that Yearning did something. Yeah. yeah. Like, because yeah, Yearning kept like smiling Avery. at it. I mean, yeah, yeah, it was it was like weirdly anticlimactic in a way that makes you feel like something else is going on. Even if it was just Yearning, like identifying, oh, you, I know you, you, you know, you know, you know Yearning enough that I'm familiar with you. But or yeah. if she's done something actively, I don't know. Ugh. Yeah, has she has she upped Avery's Yearning? Yes, decreased it. I mean, decreased it seems like it'd probably be a good thing for Avery. She's got a bit a bit to spare, if you ask mm-hmm. me. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I will say this is something I want to keep an eye out for because it's just the way it ended with Yearning still smiling at her. I was like, okay, this feels like something might have happened. Mm. Mm. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see on that one. Um, so yeah, the gang escapes into the mist of love and conversation, conversations turn to more romantic topics. <laughs> mm, interesting. Um, yeah, I love it. So Jessica describes this area of the ruins as being like wariness, anticipation, and, uh, the veil that tempts interest, which I guess is like interest, but not quite. I don't quite know how to pass that. Mm. Um, but I think this is really fun as well, because this is this part that introduces us to the idea that your sight can often draw from the ruins. So this area that's like associated with wariness and, um, uh, like i don't know a bit of a frantic energy um and, and uh, honestly even ideas of loneliness i got it's not listed but everyone's so withdrawn and it's, it's labeled as a lot more introspective like so of course avery's sight would start to pull from there because i feel like that is quite at least who she was when she awoke mm. Mm. yeah <sighs> interesting it's an interesting it's an interesting thought what do we think so yeah how, how much can we pin down each of the Kennedy's sights i guess <laughs> Well, like it's it's also established that not everyone's pulls from the ruins. Like mm. it, like Jess and Bree and Zed all kind of immediately say that theirs isn't. Mm. I, so I feel like it's probably someone who's, but yeah, much more emotional. Mo- emotions are defining them when they awaken but, or, or or something. And but even but the other one that jumped out to me is there's an area listed as like being associated with darkness, uh, and that one is like fear and apprehension. Which mm. like don't tell her I said this, but like. That kind of sounds a bit like Verona's life, especially when she awoke. Like she, I, I don't think she would admit this to herself, but like uh, all the shit surrounding her and her dad, like, is a form of fear and, mm. and apprehension in a way. Uh, even if it's not, if we're not pulling directly from ruins for the, for the trio's sight, like even the fact that it seems to be so tangibly connected to a you know parallel realm feels interesting to me like what does this mm. imply about the realms that for example lucy's site might pull from yeah yeah that's interesting that's a good point because yeah like yeah are they coming from other things maybe verona's dark site comes from yeah i don't know some nighttime realm some dark realm yeah who knows yeah. um so uh <laughs> should we touch on the my face guy what is that is this such a weird <laughs> chapter i love it He's just like, my face, my face. And Avery's clearly a bit pissed off and just kind of flips out at him. And after this happens, you kind of feel bad for him, right? Like He apologizes. I know. 
Yeah, I mean, this moment's comedy, like, especially because like I, it's so good. Like, because I was kind of yeah, like my heart was warmed by seeing Avery stand up to him because she just never does that. Um, and then yeah, just him getting like yeah, she's like, I'm sorry. What do you want me to do to her? I could kill you. Like, is that will that fix it? And he's mm. just like, I don't for my face, my face, um, <laughs> my face. Uh, yeah. What a character. Uh, Best character yeah. in the story, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a fun little moment. I, I think, although again, another sign that Ava is not doing so hot that she would just lash out at someone like that. She apologizes afterwards too. Mm. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that poor guy's face. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, Jessica finally finds herself this witness that they were looking for and goes to find her cousin. Zed, Bree, and Avery have a bit more of a relationship chat as the chapter wraps up. Yep. Um, and so that, I mean, it's implied that this is goodbye to Jess for at least most of the rest of the story. Mm. Um, like she's going to be gone for potentially months. Mm. Um, so yeah, maybe, maybe we'll see her again in the finale. I don't know if it's mean to like want a character back for the finale, which I assume will be bloody and terrible. <laughs> uh, but I hope we see her again. Yeah, me too. Um, and then, of course, the chapter ends with us getting the weird Fernanda thing, which is very hilarious. <laughs> uh, comes out of nowhere, and because we're in Avery's head and she is thoroughly confused by it, so are we, until finally the pieces all click and it all makes sense, and it's great. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, it's hilarious, because, like, Bree says Fernanda, and you're like, what? Like, what does that have to do with anything? And then it just keeps going, and you're like, oh, f- I, yeah. Avery's like, it's fucking Verona. Um... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's such a it's such a nonsense, unnecessary prank from Verona. I don't know what she was thinking, and yeah, I I don't know. It it seems to be dealt with next chapter, but like the way it ended here, I certainly f- thought it was going to be a bigger thing. Because mm. mm. that was, I, I think, the most heated it might have ever gotten within the group was when Avery sent that message to Jeremy, and Verona got really pissed off about it until she decided not to. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's what it's retribution for right yeah you're right maybe this is a sign that actually like verona hasn't really forgotten about it (laughs) no i mean i feel like it's explicitly uh verona making up for that prank maybe i but they already had a moment where verona kind of did something back to her with the fernanda stuff and then they had like a oh it's water under the bridge moment true yeah true i don't know (sighs) um Sorry, it's so it's like a million degrees right now where I am, so I'm starting <laughs> to sweat quite extensively. Anyway, fun backstory to the podcast recording. Let's talk about Vanishing Points 8.4. We are in Lucy's head. Lucy and Verona are hanging out and chit-chatting when they get a call from Zed. Yeah, um, and like Lucy is super miserable because yeah. uh, they're eating gas station food and it's gross. Yeah, but better um, than the alternative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, like that's that's what I kinda like. Like this is a intense decision to have made because the brownie food is notoriously nice. So to eat Verona tier food like is a strong moral position. Um which I was like, that's nice that they're doing that. You know, maybe in retrospect we should have made that call a lot earlier, but Yeah, it no, was it's a nice very thing cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh but yeah. Because yeah. you are you are what you eat, Ruben. That's the thing <laughs> yeah. in this arc. Uh, yeah, or in Bristow's case, you are what other people eat. <laughs> yeah, actually, there's really fun phrasing. I think the the way Lucy sums up this whole gas food, the gas station food thing, she's like, mm. it, it, she goes, 
this was only day two of the post Bristow dining, um, <laughs> which yeah, just uh, putting Bristow as a adjective for the word dining is very fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we get some nice group dynamics here with the call from Zed and uh, Verna getting a, a head smack that is well deserved. Like it's just <laughs> nice. I mean, it's always nice to have these moments of just little bits of catching up and recuperating between the trio. Yeah, like Lucy reaches out to Avery and gives her exactly what she fucking needed with this whole "We miss you." I can't wait for you to be back. Um, it, it's so good. I mean, the Zed being pained in the background also just really elevates it because it's. It kind of emphasizes how important it is that they do this when, like, every time they keep start a new topic of conversation, there's like Zed was audible in the background. Mm. Mm. Yeah, audibly upset at his batteries being drained, which again, relatable. I mean, you know, we've all been there. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, just a quick aside: there's a there's a little throwaway mention about how Matthew and Edith sent them a list of the new others and the terms for them being in the town and whatnot. And I was just like, wait, is this others on top of like Tashlit and Sig's generation? Like, are they, are they still pulling in more others? Mm. What? I mean, I think so, right? Like they, t- they mention. I can't remember when it, when it is, but during the BHI thing, somebody, one of them mentions there's more others in town that the trio hasn't met yet. Yeah, which is like, I don't know. It, like, it just feels like even though these others seem like they're being set up to be second class citizens. Mm. Um, it's just going to be such a different environment that they go yeah. back to at this point. Like, Who I, even knows what? Yeah, yeah I feel like we're going to get back to Kennet, like maybe at the end of this arc or the start of the next one, maybe, and it's just going to be a very different place. Mm. Yeah, I'm kind of daunted. Uh, you know, dreading going back there. Yeah, same. Mm. But we'll but have also to eventually. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the the Verona and Lucy head to their guest lecture for tonight, which is on elementals. Uh, Lucy is still struggling with all of these scrutinizing eyes on them, which is something you touched on last episode. The idea of like how Lucy is perfect to be experiencing the kind of hush, hushed whispers vibe about uh, what's happened and the Kennedy's roles, um, and it's just continuing to be a, a thing. And and will based on the way this chapter ends, definitely be even more of a thing as we go on. Uh yeah. Yeah, it's it's like it's so fascinating how because she, she she there's a huge sort of series of paragraphs on it in this chapter about how she she's sort of saying she's used to having to always kind of have her guard up and be reading what people are doing and take inferences from that and 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 suffer from doubt and mm. now she's having to do it like a hundred times more because it's like like these are people who may actually act on it very quickly in a very violent way um so she has to be like even more wary uh the like she's really exhausted like she's in a bad place like that's the other thing she's like usually you know she goes through that awful morning routine to like bulletproof her look mm. and she can't like she's just too exhausted and there's too much going on for her to really do that so it's kind of like she's been put on hard mode and then also had some of her resources taken away on top of that mm. um and like it, it, it kind of takes verona here to just sort of pull her out of that like spiral yeah, Verona's doing some solid work pulling her out of her thought spirals here. So yeah, thumbs up yeah. to Verona on that. Um, yeah, uh, we'll continue to touch on that, I guess. Um, God, so we get this interaction with Sol where he's not looking forward to his mother's class and 
where I, I mean, I don't know if this was your reaction, Elliot, but I was kind of like, oh, how bad could it really be? This is just what a kid feels like. And we will see exactly how bad it is soon enough. It is horrible. Uh, but uh, honestly, my reaction was, this feels like he's overreacting, so I bet you he isn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you were you were correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he very much was not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> then there's this bit where Durashe comes in to observe the class, which is apparently, in air quotes, a thing you're doing this year, which hasn't been happening this year, right? Like, no. if I missed it, that hasn't happened at all, which is maybe they're doing it now that the BHI thing has all gone down, I don't know, or... yeah. Oh, yeah, I don't, or maybe Durashe just wanted to see Mrs. Ferguson's class turn into a massive <laughs> shit show because Durashe seems to see what's going to happen and be ready to jump in and and uh, help Sol out. So maybe she is genuinely here for a good reason of like protecting the class a bit. Well, so, so my read on it um, was yeah, I, I had that same thought where I was like, that is not a thing we've been doing until now. Yeah. So I feel like it's. I feel like it's this thing where Ray is like, okay, so like, you know, a prominent guest teacher and our headmaster were having a war here. Uh, maybe we need to have staff watching the guest teachers mm. just to make sure everything's on the up and up, which is sort of like Dodoy. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we've seen some of these other guest teachers. I, like it, it reminds me of, you know, at least the university you and I went to, Ruben, where it definitely felt like there were classes given to professors because of their academic credentials more than any yes love of teaching. Yes. I mean, uh, it's weird. I mean, I don't even think Mrs. Ferguson, there's a version of Mrs. Ferguson that is a good teacher. Like, <laughs> It's because the one she doesn't so, have soul in her class. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe that's just what it is. I, there's probably a bit more to it than that. But she's clearly so passionate about her subject matter, which in my mind is one of the prerequisites for being a good teacher. Yeah, yeah. But she just is so fucked in the way that she handles this class. Yeah, but yeah, but like, so I guess I suppose I, so, I, I kind of see this as not only something that's a reaction to uh, what's recently gone down in this sense that they have to keep a closer eye on things, but also mm. like something that can be a good thing more long-term because it's like, hey, actually having some quality assurance on... Yeah, on the what, teaching like, that's teachers happening. ...teachers and how yeah. they're teaching. Yeah. Like, Durashe steps in to try and help steer this lesson in a positive way a number of times. And it's like, uh, it, like fuck, there's so many other lessons where we could have used that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Indeed. Um, oh, well, too late now. <laughs> um, I mean, sorry, I just got to call out the bit where uh, Ferguson has the I love... Elemental practice, which yeah, is just she's so like fucking good. airbending and firebending yeah. in between each one. Yeah, she's she's reenacting the intro to Avatar, and it's great. <laughs> and like immediately, you, I, I just was like, this is great. This is a dream. Yeah. And it turns yeah. sour pretty quickly, but um, <laughs> yeah. This this so, whole chapter is basically, you know, from the scale of like some of the nicer episodes of The Office to, like, Scott's Tots to, like, Peep Show. <laughs> Where can you, how far can you get through this chapter before you have to fall off? Yeah, I I, I do love it, though, because I feel like her, uh, her positive energy is kind of, like, adorably infectious at first. Like, that I love elemental practice. You're like, oh, this lady yeah. is hilarious. She's going to be great, yeah. And then <laughs> and it keeps oh, going. God. Yeah, no, it just it's keeps going. And it's yeah. that same energy, and it just keeps turning in a it specific direction. Up and, like, and up no, and up. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> She's a lot. She's just so much. 
Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I was in love from, from the get go. I mean, I'm someone who, I've watched Scott's Tots a number of times. I I feed on cringe humor. Um, so I, I loved this this uh, this chapter. Um, mm. I, I also thought it was fun as well because I think something we've seen a lot in this story is that like the practice someone does shapes them as a person. Like you know, like the Teds seem like an easy example. Like they're goblin queens or, or princesses or whatever. And that's clearly had an effect on their personalities. You know, it's not all like, you know, there's a bit of column A, a bit of column B, but, mm. you know, it's sort of like, it, I think doing a practice helps you lean into certain parts of your personality. Mm. Um, so, like, when we meet Ms., Mrs. Ferguson here, like, what I was sort of doing is sort of thinking, okay, so what about her and her teaching style? Like, what does that tell us about elementals and what we can kind of infer about them? Because, uh, like, I, I feel like her personality is going to relate to em- elementals. And it's like, I think by the end, it's sort of, well, you know, like elementals themselves, kind of straightforward. Like, she's not, mm. she's quite subtle. Oh, sorry, she's not very not subtle. subtle. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> got a bit of a one-track mind. Like, she, she has a bit where she introduces herself and she's like, you know, I'm an adventurer. I've written textbooks. And, like, you know, uh, like, I'm a mom. Um, yeah. Is, like no, she doesn't stuff. just say she's a mum, Elliot. She says, and hardest of all, hardest I'm of a all. mother. Which is such, <laughs> immediately Wabo hinting to us. Like, that is such a fucking meme thing to say. It's hilarious. Um, yeah, but you know, like, like, that's like real, like, she she talks about how elementals are like the doers and stuff. Like, that. Yeah. you can tell that's yeah. like how she sees herself. Like, she's she's out and about doing stuff all the time. Like, she's, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, not sort of like, yeah, that one trick mind, like, she she sort of gets this idea in her head and she fucking sees it through regardless of what's happening mm-hmm. uh, around her. Mm. <sighs> she's a great character. She's a champion. Um, so, yeah, her lesson continues and continues to decline for Soul, especially. <laughs> and even Durashay at one point feels the need to get involved, which is great. Uh, not just at one point, at multiple times. Sorry, Durashay. yes, true. <laughs> multiple <laughs> times throughout the lesson. Oh, and that's like, that was the thing for me is like, like as Durashay starts to step in, that's the point where I was really like, okay, Mrs. Ferguson, if Marie Durashay is better at like reading the room and connecting with your child than you are, mm, but you've, you need you've to reevaluate yeah. <laughs> some of your stuff. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, oh, it's such a fucking train wreck. And you know what else <laughs> really stings about it is of all the examples of parenting that we've heard about in the story this is probably the most mild right like (laughs) genuinely the other parents like you would count yourself lucky if this was your parent in a practitioner world (laughs) that's so fucked yeah like that's this is awful but you think about like would you rather be soul or talia right yeah Yeah. and like i'd still pick soul (laughs) even if i had to go through this uh yeah i know god wow um and then of course it gets I, like <laughs> unbelievably Wabo. This is such a perfect example of Wabo managing to one up himself again. Because Mrs. Ferguson calls out Raquel Musa by name, <laughs> which is the most cringe thing that you can possibly imagine happening. Because it's so transparent. Like, in yeah. what world will she have heard of this one specific child? Nobody's <laughs> being fooled by this. No. <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah, it, you poor bastard. It's so good because it's never spelt out. I think that's what's really fun about this is that when it first happens, you sort of go, okay, that's a bit weird. And then there's this bit where she's like, oh, I've, you know, heard heard so much about you from my son. And Raquel's like, like oh, we've never told. What? Yeah. And, what? and that's, 
that's your first alarm bell where you're like, oh, is she doing like, is she pulling this crush out? Matchmaking them? Like, <laughs> what the fuck? And then, and then, yeah, it just keeps going, and you just realize that's exactly what's happening. And like, Lucy never says it in her narration, but Nobody the way she's reacting it, as we're well, all thinking it. Yeah, like you're just like, oh god, and yeah, it just keeps going. Like, yeah, it's like, oh, please describe this beautiful young girl here, and like, oh, you look very healthy and fit. And I was just like, oh god, stop! He's already dead. <laughs> <laughs> He's gone emotionally blank. <laughs> like, there's bits early on in the chapter where he like you know, kind of half-jokingly is like, God, I'm tempted to do by exploiting hands or, like, whatever. And you could just see, like, honestly, I wouldn't have blamed him if he just fucking blew up the stage halfway through this lesson. Mm. Mm. Yeah. No. Legit. <sighs> Should Yikes. we, like, take take a break from the the personalities of the lesson to make, like, should we touch on the content? Because... You know, you assume that if this is a lesson that is in the story and not like in an extra material, like our last one was, that it's going to be relevant to the story somewhat. Like, while Bo's mm. dedicated a huge chunk of a chapter to giving us this law, it's probably going to come into something. Mm. Um, so, yeah, like, I, I, like, do you have any, like, what was your sort of takeaway from our lesson on elementals here? Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I, again, I'm trying to think of like what's the, because it's fine as a you know piece of world building, but I'm trying to again think what's the moral of the story for us. I, I really didn't get a moral from it. Like I kind of enjoyed it as a lesson, and I enjoyed it as watching Soul's face through Lucy. But I, I didn't get a. I don't know. Did you have a like grander purpose for it that you felt you can pull out? Um. Yeah. I mean, I. I was wondering if, if the, like, because we don't really have any elementals in the story, as far as I'm aware. Well. Um, like, the girl by candlelight would be yeah, the closest thing. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. But it doesn't, it, it's not a perfect match. No, if anything, she's like a complex spirit with a lot of fire energy. Like, we talked about these elementals. Like, like one of the big things that happens in this lesson is that you can use others as homes for these elemental energies. Yeah. Um, and it, and it like kind of affects their abilities and stuff. So I was like, oh, is this, you know, is this saying something about like the girl by candlelight's fire stuff? Or like, I actually kind of left that idea and started to wondering, like, is this, like, this presumably doesn't apply just to elemental stuff, but like that idea of, uh, and this is coming back to what I was talking about from last chapter. Like, if you inject like the carmine fur energy into whoever dons the the furs, like it, it's presumably not just going to be like a free power boost that doesn't change their personality. Like, presumably mm. they get some of the carmine energy with that. And I wonder if sure. that's going to be important. Yeah. How would that? Yeah. I, I don't know because it's hard to think about because we don't. We've heard obviously a lot about the Kame Beast, but we don't actually know what they were really like. We didn't meet them, so saying we get they might, you know, become infested with Kame energy. I'm kind of like, what does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? You know? Yeah. Well, at a simple level, like the role itself is affiliated with yes. like violence. Yes. Um. But as for the as for like the the individual woman, like the Kame Beast, she, I mean, there was you know moments she was described as like a loner. Uh, yes. who didn't play well with others, which yeah. doesn't bode well for someone who's part of a group conspiracy. Yeah. Um, it, you know, yeah, just like, yeah, she, she was just described as a bit of a loner asshole. I guess. Yeah. So, um, I don't, has, I don't know if it'll go that felt deep. felt like they're becoming more and more of a loner asshole? You said that you felt that Avery's becoming more, more <laughs> of a loner. Do you think uh, 
You think you're putting something together there, Elliot? Yeah, yeah. Did anybody give her any red jumpers recently? <laughs> Edith needed her a nice red jumper. <laughs> Uh, good times. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. I, I, it's hard to read into. Yeah. Maybe one of the new others in Kennet is an elemental. <laughs> I've kind is. of given up on guessing, figuring out who's the murderer. You know, I'm kind yeah. of like, there's just two. It could be any of them. <laughs> it's just it, too it, much. It comes and goes for me. I've, yeah. I've kind of largely given up hope, but every now and then I just like to throw some new spaghetti at the wall so that, you know, oh, this yeah, show's just in case on. you can say, oh, yeah, I called it afterwards. Yeah, exactly. Like, if I just keep saying bullshit every week for a year, hopefully I'll get something right. And then I can be like, yeah, I said that in June. I said the exact answer in June. And sure, it was a, a, a mixed a bunch of shit that was wrong, but count it. Mm. I mean, it worked <laughs> for me in, in Deep Impact, so I'm just bringing the same yeah, energy yeah, here. Fair enough. That's how it works. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, luckily for us, luckily for Sol, this class is interrupted by something much less terrifying and horrible. Uh, <laughs> y has found Alexander's torched car, and they know something's up. Mrs. Ferguson tries to retake control of the lesson, but obviously fails as the class goes into lockdown. Oh, boy. Yeah, this what a cliffhanger. Th- this might be the, the best cliffhanger in the story. It's so <laughs> emo- Like, the trio is clearly set up as in such an emotionally vulnerable place. They can't lie. And, you know, they've been doing murder investigations for a while, and now, of course... It's being fully turned on them. They're the ones yeah. that are going to have to like secretly hide. They've oopsie to murder. Like it's great. It's <laughs> awesome. I actually hadn't made that connection until you said it, and I love that. Like we we spent the first half of this story with them conducting a murder investigation, and now the turntables have turned. Well, I um, mean, like I don't know if it's going to be this specific, but do you think no? We will get a scene in the next chapter where they, I, I suppose, subconsciously or unconsciously mirror an evasive technique that somebody else used to evade their questioning about the karma beast like that would be the best foreshadowing if they pull something that one of the other Kenneth others has pulled to um dodge their questions that's like yeah. a big flag of like oh shit is it this person yeah no, <laughs> i, I really that'd be I, hilarious i really like that idea of of yeah if it's like but wait, maybe kind of the other way around. Like they do something to maybe like dodge the questions and get out of it, and then they leave, and they're like, "Wait, that's wait, what, fuck, yeah, that's, yeah. that's exactly what Edith did, isn't it?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that could that could be sort of very fun. <laughs> yeah, um, good times. Just just in general, yeah, you're right. Like they're set up to just be in such a bad place, and then for this to actually get lumped on them because like Ray's the one who comes in. He's like, "We're gonna need to talk to everyone in the class," and a part of me was like, "Okay, maybe this is like main character bias." Mm. But surely Ray has to know that one of the first groups he's got to talk to well, is I these mean, three, yeah. right? Who, like, who else is more suspicious than <laughs> these fucking three? Yeah, like, like yeah. He already, yeah, I was, like, he already I, was trying to pin, or at least trying to investigate Bristow's death based on them. Yeah. Like, it's not, it wouldn't be that much of a step, <laughs> right? Yeah, like, I, at the very least, they're going to be one of the groups he talks to. But I was like, if, if like, the first thing he did was like, okay, I want to talk to these three in private uh, to start with. I wouldn't mm. be shocked at all. I'd be like, yeah, fair enough, Ray. You're, you're fucking bang on. Mm. Mm. And poor Lucy, she finally got that Alexander stuff off her chest last week. And we were like, oh, that's good. She waited until after the Ray stuff. And then two chapters later, it's dumped right back on us. Mm. Oh. I, I also, just, mm. just one last thing. I, I'm actually really excited to see where the story takes this idea as well, though. Because something like we, we, we already did talk about a bit, though, is like, 
as much as I felt like Alexander's death kind of felt necessary when it happened, like we spent all that time yeah. in his head, John yeah. killed him, and I was kind of like, yeah, I think he that was, needed he to was gunning for revenge immediately. Like there was no yeah. wheel room there. But at the same time, John did play judge, jury, and executioner in that moment. Yeah. And it's like, in a story that's talked so much about justice, yeah. it, like, it would be weird to just have one of the villains get killed off in that sort of yeah. manner. H- have some kind of extrajudicial not... murder yeah. and have that be like, yep, that was fine and thumbs up. Yeah, exactly. So like, like yeah, as soon as this sort of started, it's, it's like, well, okay, like this is going to be yeah. a thing for at least a chapter because you can't, yeah, in this story, you can't just have Alexander die and not have us face some sort of dilemma or consequences for that. And, yes. And yeah, like this coming back at John could be a really interesting direction for that to go when he's being set up to be the Carmine Beast replacement. Mm. Um, like his his relationship with practitioners is presumably important. Well, in theory, important for that. Um, I don't know. Mm. Yeah. But maybe maybe it gives the other practitioners an excuse to come to Kennet too. Like if the guy who killed Alexander's there, mm. bring bring the war to to Kennet. Mm. Interesting and worrying. Ray leading the army against Kennet. Oh, I'd like it. to think he could pull his bullshit neutral card for that one at least. <laughs> you, yeah, true. He would hope. It's people like the Teds I'd be worried about showing yeah. up. Yeah. 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 But yeah, that's then, the end of. So, uh, so oh, weird, yeah? weirdly, all the Bristow people might be on side. It'll be like it'll be this oh, weird shit. <laughs> like, That would be weird. Hey, that's that guy who killed Alexander as revenge for Bristow for us. Like, good on him. Good on him. Yeah, let's back <laughs> him up. Like, I would be surprised if there's at least one person with that dog shit take. No, I think the way this story is going for the Kennedys, it's more likely to be both sides hate them. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, they just yeah. don't have a a friend left after it. Um, which yeah, is we'll, we'll see. It, it's going to be this really fun intersection of ideas now where they're kind of going through this murder trial while also coming to terms with themselves and yeah. their relationship with everyone else. Yeah. 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 <sighs> um, yeah. So that's the end of uh, 8.3. No bonus material this week. Uh, so let's dive into some discussion question answers, shall we? Yeah. Uh, so our discussion question was, which of those departments from uh, the soul and self extra material do you value the most? Which yes. do you value the least? Yes. Um, I put out most people talking about what they valued the most. Some people also touched on the least, uh, but I found the most, the most interesting to myself. Um, there was a user, oh, I've got to take a moment to make sure I'm going to pronounce this. Hashirama <laughs> Cells, uh, who, first off, they responded to our note in the last episode about people who listen to this podcast without having read the story, they mentioned that they used to listen to Deep Impact without ever having read Pack, which is wild, and yeah. I love the I, I do actually, I do remember that coming up about two-thirds of the way through. I, I'd forgotten Hashirama Sells' name, but I do remember finding out about that about two-thirds of the way through the show and being fascinated by it then yeah. as well. It's great. Um, they eventually broke and uh, read it all, but I just thought <laughs> it was fun to know that, yes, there are some of you out there, some of you freaks out there. <laughs> um and but then you know answering the discussion question they mentioned that the one they valued the most was the solar plexus which they had a really nice vibe of it basically representing their ability to learn and kind of take lessons to heart which i really liked um the solar plexus was a really popular one probably because we're a community that focuses quite heavily on like knowledge and optimization i guess for want of a better <laughs> word we had landis 963 and beard of valor also mentioned solar plexus as among their most important and most valued 
uh, what we do you need call that, it? departments. Yeah, we need that person who was really pro Alexander for swearing Seth to come back and answer the discussion mm. questions mm. with real wild answers again. Yeah, just so we have some spicy answers going on. Yes, for sure. Um, and then we had Evan the Marvelous who picked in order. Uh, groin, throat, and crown, which they called the social route, which I really liked, <laughs> especially because groin is first, which is uh, classic. Um, so thumbs up to and Evan the Marvelous. So that is root spelled R-O-U-T-E? So yeah, for those Australians out there, it's R-O-U-T-E, not R-O-O-T-E. <laughs> I mean, both <laughs> work. social route. Fuck, Elliot, that's such a <laughs> terrible joke. <laughs> Uh, I love that we can make specific Australian jokes just for our Australian listeners. <laughs> um, yeah. What about yourself, Robert? What What would you go for? Honestly, I really loved the vibe of uh, Hashirama cells mentioning that, like, one of their growth moments as, uh, had been, or maybe I'm just kind of reading a bit of my own into it, the ability to, like, learn better and and learn from lessons, you know? I, I mm. really liked that, and that convinced me Solar Plexus was probably the one I would uh, value the most. I have no idea which I would value the least. I, what about you? I mean, have you got one, Elliot? It's a, I, I'd probably go for the brow mm. as the one that I like the most, mm. or the one that I would try and focus on the most. So that's the one about, like, you know, seeing. Like, it holds your sight in your third eye, I think is how it was phrased in the um, thing. But it's all about, like, your senses and your ability to take in the world. Um because I, I mean, I guess to discuss on everyone's obsession with the solar plexus, it's not much to process and digest if your brow isn't top notch as well. Mm. Um, Fair. I mean, the heart was the one that was about physicality and health and healing, and that was an interesting one to me because it was like that is one that I don't do. I, I'm not the healthiest person. <laughs> I sort of like I, I want to pay more attention to that one, but it's probably the one I leave uh, wanting at the moment. Mm. It's a fun. It, wait, I, I found this again. It was kind of like the implement one. It, it's a it's a fun opportunity to self reflect a bit. Yes, exactly, exactly right. A fun opportunity to dive into your own personality and think, what am I? What do I value the most about myself? Yeah, um, and which ones could I shore up a bit? Yeah, I'll take this as my uh, my interview question that I ask potential applicants in the future. I'll have them do pre-reading of reading all of Pale, and then I'll ask them, you know, what would you implement be? Which of the uh, departments would you value, not value, etc. Um, yeah, like my my work has like one interview question, which is like, you know, what uh, what's your favorite piece of media, and that's sort mm. of the, the get get to know your personality and make sure you'll fit in socially mm. question. And you could just have a smorgasbord of those if you force everyone to read Pact and Pale. <laughs> Yeah, why ask what people's favourite piece of media is when you can tell them what their favourite piece of media is? <laughs> and then quiz them on it. <laughs> ah, classic nerd culture. Um, <laughs> well, that's the end of the show, folks. What a way to end it. Uh, if you want to leave your thoughts on this show, you can do that by going into our discussion threads, which will be linked in the show notes down below. Uh, yep, we're also on Twitter. Just search Power mm -hmm, Reflections. Mm -hmm. uh, this episode, uh, as was announced on Twitter, is a couple of days late, uh, and my live read will be coming. Uh, wait, my f next live read is just after this episode comes out, and then everything should be fucking finally back on schedule again. Um, but if it's not, Twitter's the place where you're going to find out about <laughs> it not being yeah. on there. But yes, uh, yeah, both, both the live reads and the episodes will hopefully be back to normal uh, next. Yeah. And hey... Why not check out some more of the great content on the Doof Media Network? You can do that by going to doofmedia.com. 
Um, I recently listened to an episode of the Doofcast where they discussed, uh, fuck, what's it called? The Prestige, that's right, um, which I think is a great movie, and I really loved hearing uh, the, the gang's take on that. That was Scott and Matt and Michael coming on, of course, whenever they're talking about an interesting movie like that to provide his controversial hot <laughs> takes. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a ton of great shows on the Doof Media Network, and you can find them all by going to doofmedia.com. Yes, and if you like them, if you like us, if you want to see the Doof Media uh, you know, network keep existing and perhaps even grow, mm-hmm. head on over to patreon.com forward slash doofmedia. That's how we keep all these shows happening. Yeah. Do people get some kind of like extra incentive to do that other than just the kindness of their hearts, of course? Yeah. Uh, there's a bunch of perks. Uh, the $10 one, that's where you get all the bonus shows. So every week uh, there's some new show, whether it's Matt and Scott talking about Stephen King, me, Ruben, and my sister talking about Star Wars. Um, <laughs> Can I just touch on that for a moment? Because for a long time, my favorite show on the Doof Media Network has been, and it still is, I think, um, what you say, which is a great show. Yeah. Uh, but honestly, recording those high ground episodes, they're so much fun to do. I've really been having such a blast and it, it, it really saddens me that um, so many people don't see them because they're not patrons at the $10 a month level or more. Genuinely, you please check them out. You, like, I have so much fun recording them. They're such great shows to do. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. I can't 100% confirm that that fondness comes into the episode, but I think it will. <laughs> I think and- it does. Yeah, like they're yeah they're genuinely some of the the most fun I've had recording episodes over the last like four years we've been doing this. Yeah, no, legit, that's so good. Um, uh, while you're on Patreon, why don't you head over to Wildbo's Patreon if you want to support him in doing what he does, which, as we all know, is creating horrible parents. Um, so if you want to support that endeavor, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Wildbo and help him keep yeah. coming up with different but equally horrifying and terrible new parents to inject into his stories if 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 we find out that you have the financial capacity to support wabo but you're not doing it mm-hmm. then he'll call you out onto stage next yeah exactly and he'll pull your crush up and make you examine her <laughs> elemental attributes <laughs> or whatever the fuck <laughs> uh, god okay. well and on that note uh yep see you next week see you around folks <laughs>